Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right, we are back for episode 53 of Move the District. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Yassen, and I am super excited. We uh, had a little summer hiatus, and now we are back on the podcast grind again. My guest today is Chase McKeesey. He's the owner of Trophy Body PT, Sweat DC, and Mighty Meals. Chase, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Mike, man. It's, it's good to do this, man. I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, quite the resume you got there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like keep it listing owner of this, owner of this, owner yes. of this. When did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Man, uh, I, I want to say like when I was when I was a teenager. Uh, I knew that whatever I wanted to do, I think after I got my first job, that I wanted to be my own boss. I wasn't really even, it meant like, time freedom or money i just authority was not my favorite thing and uh whether it was coaches uh basketball baseball football whether it was bosses i knew it wasn't my thing so when i went to college um i got a marketing degree so nothing to do with personal training or anything like that right um but really the thought process there was well whatever i do whatever business i open or whatever job i create for myself you need to market and you need to make money so i was like marketing is universal and I think that's when I really decided, like, I was going to be an entrepreneur is when I pursued that in, uh, in college because I didn't pursue it to become like a marketing analyst or something. It was solely so I could market my own thing. Gotcha. Were you like as a kid, were you someone who like ran like a lemonade stand or like ran little like like schemes with like your grade school friends? Yeah. And uh, in high school, I like I made T-shirts. <laughs> I did that. And then um when I was young, not so much. I think sports kept me so busy. Uh, but in high school, uh, well, I, I take that back. In, in grade school, I did dabble a little bit with selling some Pokemon cards. I did okay there. there. Yeah, I did okay there. Uh, and then when I was in high school, I was, like, really into, like, uh, sneakers. So I would, like, drive up on Saturday mornings. Actually, with like a, I would rent a van and fill it up with, like, a bunch of my buddies. Because you could only buy, it was, like, a two-pair limit. So I filled up with a bunch of my buddies. I would like buy some 40s. I know I shouldn't say that. Um, and then uh, that's okay. Promise, <laughs> and then I would promise them that we would go to like Denny's for breakfast in the morning. And we would go up there, we'd pick up a whole bunch of Jordans, and then I would like sell them on whatever various online platforms. So I think that was my first step where I really started like doing something entrepreneurial. Love was, it. Uh, was with that. Yeah, some Jordans. Well, are you still a big sneaker guy? Uh, I am. It's a little bit different than it, than it was. 
last year, like Travis Scott made it really popular to wear like skate shoes, like Nike skate oh, yeah. shoes again. Mm-hmm. And I had a whole bunch at my mom's house. So I went over to my mom's house and literally it was like, it's like if you owned a property and all of a sudden the property value went up double. Oh yeah. And I, I got rid of all of them this last year. Like, I was, oh, oh man. Oh, that's great. It's the yeah. same thing with those, uh, with those Pokemon cards too. Yeah. Oh, they went crazy. I wish I still had those. I know. <laughs> I, I like, I, I need to go back through my drawers and like pull out yeah. the, uh, the Charizard I have and yeah. find out my, how much uh, I can pay that for. I have a client right now who has a Charizard that's been sitting in plastic since she was like 15 and that's literally worth like, like I think like three to four hundred thousand dollars. If it, it, if that's the case, then I might be sitting on a jackpot right now. Yeah, if you got a if you got like a Charizard from like the original, you're looking at like like six figures. I got a I have a Charizard in a plastic sleeve since I don't know I was like ten years old. So yeah, you're telling so you me like, if you got it from one of those original packs, yeah, you're looking at like hundreds of thousands all right we don't need to do this podcast anymore we're done here i'm yeah, just gonna exactly. go get yeah. my show. cut it cut it cut it pokemon <laughs> dealer now oh my god yeah forget about fitness i'm just gonna be selling pokemon cards the rest of my life yeah. forget the doctorate yeah don't, <laughs> don't need it i i uh i i need to uh i need to find a way to pay off my loans and i did not think that it was going to be from pokemon cards but yet here we are yeah there it is <laughs> uh and so then you graduate school marketing degree and what made you say fitness man um so i was bartending uh that's how i paid for college and was doing that i did that for like a year after i graduated and i just like i I knew i didn't like bartending right but it was it was the cash that i needed to pay for school and it was like i could bartend thursday friday saturday night and i could go to school monday through thursday so i could like compartmentalize and still pay tuition um Really what happened was it was like a year after I graduated, I bought my first house with my now wife. And that was like the goal of mine was to save money from that. And as soon as I did that, I kind of checked that box. It was like, okay, perfect. A week later, I quit my job. I didn't really know, <laughs> which sounds backwards, right? Buy a house, quit your job. But Classic. Um, it just because I kind of like hit the goal that I wanted with that job. And I was like, okay, I, I got to do something else. And weightlifting for me was something that I, that I truly loved. Um, but I didn't know if I loved doing it for other people, right? Like I didn't know if I wanted to be a trainer or not, but I actually started training before I quit that job for servers and bartenders. You, you'll work like two a days, basically you have a break in the middle of the day and come back. Yeah. And so a couple of my staff members, like my coworkers, we would go down to the parking garage underneath Uncle Julio's in Arlington. I'm sure you are familiar. I've been, I've been yeah. there and, um, and we would like, I would like run little workouts for them. And basically like in exchange for lunch, like we would run workouts and then like they would buy me Chipotle and then we'd go back to work. And I was like, all right, cool. Like this is, um, and so like Whoa. two of my coworkers became my first clients. We snuck into like a bulge gym and I trained them there for a while. And like I, I the rest was just history. I, I think, as soon as I could see like their confidence changing and stuff through the training, I realized it could be like a medium for me, like fitness is a medium to help other people like kind of gain that confidence and do better in others parts of their life. And it was something that I had so much, I guess, experience, not training people, but so much experience, just lifting weights for the past 10 years where I was like, okay, this is a medium that I can, I can use um, to help other people. Um, and I was just like, wow, if my job can be me in a gym, like, wearing nikes right back to that love of sneakers i was like this is perfect so it kind of grew kind of organically from there and i would say about six months after that 
I was like, okay, I need to go ahead and certify and like take this serious. I actually like this. So um, that's kind of how it all started. There you go. And then you get to wear sweatpants and Nikes every day. Yeah. Love it. That's, that's, I think the best part about having your own business is that you can wear whatever you want to wear. Yeah. (laughs) Like in, in PT, like there's the traditional, like physical therapy uniform where like you walk into any PT clinic and it's like polo and a cat and khakis polo Polo and khakis is like every PT clinic in the world. And it drives me nuts. So I'm like sitting there in these stiff ass khakis, you know, wearing a polo. I'm like, how am I supposed to show someone how to do a squat or a lunge here without ripping my pants? And and so then I was like, well, I started my own thing. I was like, well, I'm going to wear short because we're helping people move. So I feel like I should dress as such. Right. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. It makes so much more sense. Yeah. Like that whole, like, even trainers now sometimes are wearing like the polo and the like almost slack look. And I'm like, what are we like? This ain't golf. This is not the golf course. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then where did the name, cause I, I feel like this is something that you, I don't know if you, I don't know if you get shit for this or not trophy body. Where did that oh, come from? I definitely get shit for it, but I think also people don't really like understand. So for me, and this is something I learned with marketing too, is like, I think people get caught up on like finding the perfect name or the perfect logo and the perfect website versus like actually worrying about the product. So the name really kind of never got out of my way. Now, I think some people, yeah, I definitely get shit for it, but this, I'll tell you the true story. This is the, the right. real, the real story. Yeah, this is the real story. So that period of time, right, um, that we just talked about, I quit my job like a week after getting the house. Uh, my wife is first grade teacher, well, my now wife. Um, and she's like, so like, what, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, what are you like, what's your plans, whatever. And I was like, Oh, like nothing. What do you, like, what do you mean? I'm just going to lift weights. I'm going to be a trophy husband. I'm just your trophy husband. <laughs> and so like, she would always like, it was just like an ongoing joke with us. I was like, I'm not going to work. Like, what do you mean? I was no, like, that's what I'm not. trying to get shredded. Like, that's the whole point of this. And so like, it was just a total inside joke between me and my wife. I would never absolutely say these things um oh my and, god and uh so like after a while like she would text me from work or whatever and she's like what are you doing you're just like are you just at home and i'm not like a video game guy or any of those things like i i like to be productive and so i would just kind of like always say like oh i'm just working on my trophy body like oh i'm just working on my trophy body i'm trying to be what do you mean this is my job now like oh and i would like wake up and i did all the things like i, I would make breakfast for her because i had this time and all that I'd be like yeah, it's trophy husband and so when, after a while, like when I really wanted to go into it, I was like, the name it has to be Trophy Body. And uh, so, so that is the true origin of it. Uh, now, of course, like once that started, I went back to my marketing roots and kind of worked on like the mission statement. And to me, like a trophy has always meant that it's, you know, I grew up in sports, not in the weight room. The weight room was the secondary part of getting sports. Sure. And to me, a trophy was always something that was earned, not given. And it was also something to me that I hated with fitness that people thought you had to have the right genetics or have a lot of money or have a lot of, uh, you know, have a lot of access to gym equipment or all this know-how. And to me, like a trophy in sports, I love that the playing field was equal. It didn't matter if like your parents dropped you off in a Porsche, I could kick your ass on the field. It didn't, or someone could kick my ass. It didn't matter if they drove up in a Porsche for an old Astro band. It didn't matter any of those things, dialect, race, any of those things. So to me, trophy was kind of like this universal thing that if you worked for it and earned for it and navigated your way to it, that you could achieve it. And then when you kind of have a, 
like you're wearing your health and your body as a trophy, it's kind of your representation that the, I know that you didn't take any shortcuts to get there. Like I can look at you and know that if you are taking care of your health, whether that's strength, whether that's physique, whether that's mobility, I know that you have put in the work to get it there. And the same way I feel uh, is the truth when you have a trophy on your mantle. So that's kind of how it kept its way. But the original form was just me being totally tongue in cheek with my wife. Love it. That's love it. Just you trying to be a good yeah. husband. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're just, it's the <laughs> exactly. least you could do for her. I yeah, think. exactly. exactly. And, and, and then I, I like how you, you thought about it though. And, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, you know, we, it's something that everyone earns. So I, I like, I like that, that tie in and, and now it's, and now it's a legit business. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I just, I just love to me a trophy represents kind of like no shortcuts, right? Like everyone has to find their own path through their own thing to achieve that. And so it's like, it's something you earned. So that, yeah, that, that's what it morphed into. And at the end of the day, you get one body. That's it. You know, right. so might as well, you know, make the most of it. Right. Your body is your temple kind of concept, but now it's a trophy. Yeah, except now it's a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do you, do you think having a name like that, like attracts a, a different type of, of client? Um, I at times thought about it. Like I almost went just like, chase mckeesey fitness you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. um but it kind of stuck in it and i kind of like that it has like an actual origin or a root to it you know where a lot of companies like aren't that way where i could have just called it like premier fitness but like what does that mean actually to me or like to my story um it actually really i don't think has affected who comes or how they feel about it uh, particularly i think most people now are like coming from my social media so it's like you're more so approaching me based on the way I'm using language and verbiage and like acting on there versus the name of the company. Yeah. Um, but I will say one thing that it definitely have, I've noticed is merchandise is that people are like, well, I can't wear that shirt in the gym until I have like, cause they don't feel they have a trophy body or something, which I oh. think is ludicrous, but yeah. it definitely like with some branding things, they feel like they're like outwardly saying they have a trophy body and it's like too much. It's like a, a woman walking in the gym, like having a shirt that says milk or something. Like, they're like, oh, that's too much. I don't feel that way. Um, but I don't think it's affected uh, actual like type of clients or anything because the range of clients that we have coming is. is the what's the What's the typical person that that trains with you like, or like, what's their um, what's their goal? For me personally, like my one on one stuff uh, with Trophy Body, it's usually it's usually physique based. Um, not like a competitor or anything. They just want to lose some weight, feel better, look better. It's usually that type of deal. Um, I kind of left sports performance and things like that. I dabbled in that with that, but it really wasn't my passion. Uh, I had like one guy and it was like, we spent like a year and a half trying to shave like 0.1 off his 40 time. And like we did it, but it was like watching videos of biomechanics and like going through all this to shave like that and, to me, it's like, it's great. And like, that's important, but I'd much rather take the person who's like low, low self-esteem hasn't done anything. And is like really learning how they can take fitness and take control of it and be healthy without it being like taking over their life. And that trans watching that transformation was always something that was bigger for me than like watching someone with a six pack go to an eight pack or something like that. Um, Right. Again, because like to me, fitness is kind of the medium to help with the other things. Um, so for me, it's it's usually people that are 
pretty successful in all the other places in their life, but don't feel like their body and their health matches, right? So they're a great father, they're a great mother, they're a great business owner, they're doing all these things and killing it, but their their health and fitness is like that lost last piece. And I love finding ways, helping them find ways to have all those other things, have the enjoyment of life, be a great ABCD, but also have great health and have the body that they feel confident and strong in. So that's, that's usually who I'm helping that trophy body. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a kind of culmination of like who I like to train and the people that like to train with me. And then for me, at least I have no problem like referring out. So if you want to be a great football player, I'm going to send you the trainers that knows how to do that. Right. Um, That's kind of my style to to send you where I think is your, your best options. Growth, growth mindset. Oh yeah. percent. Why do you, why do you think it is that like, someone can be so successful in, like you said, every single aspect of their life. But I feel like as a general overarching theme here with our like population, the, the fitness seems to be the one that's lost on so many people or, or overall health is, is lost. What do you, where do you think Man, that comes I, from? I think that when it comes to other things, you can place things externally, right? So if you're a great parent, you can do it for that, for your child. Uh, you can look at your company and how it builds and the values and the morals of your company. And those morals and values of the company can be 100% one way and 100% virtuous and righteous. But where it's fitness, you have to look totally internally and no one else can do it for you. No one else, you can't short it. You can't do anything else, right? And I think a lot of times there just becomes this level of intimidation and, and you see where it's like, Breaking a promise to yourself can often be way easier than breaking a promise to someone else. And so I think that people kind of just get into this mode where it's okay to um, not prioritize themselves, right? Selfish becomes this ugly word when it's really not, especially when it comes to your health. So I, I think a lot of people kind of willing to string themselves out other ways, but won't do it for themselves. I think that's um, a big issue. And then the second part, I just think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's intimidating. I think there's a, a million different people telling you to do a million different things. Um, and they're just pretty much zero instant gratification. So if you're not really confident with the process, you're not going to see results for a little while. That's how it works. Yep. And so you just second guess, triple guess that process um, before you even allow yourself to see results, right? So I, I think it's a combination of just, all those things. Um, but it, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to put my finger on it because there's so many, there's so many people that I train and I'm like, I'm walking into their palace of a home and their kids are great and they're doing all these things and they've got eight businesses under the belt, but like they can't figure out how to calculate macros or something or, or calories. I'm like, I know you're way more, you're like your intelligence level is through the roof. But again, it's like, it kind of, um, it's like that self accountability and it's only you and yourself and you can cheat it all by yourself. So it's like most people are struggling when they're eating something poor by themselves. Right. Right. So I, I think it's, it's really just like a lot of looking in the mirror. And I think that's where people um, will let themselves down before they let their business or their family or their friends down. Makes yeah. sense. How do you, yeah. how do you work on, and how do you work on that mindset with someone when they, when they have that mindset that they want to put everything else first and then they put themselves last. Um, I think first of all, it's, it's, 
it's giving them something that lets them see results that they can hold on to somewhat fast. I think the way to get someone into it and accountable is to say, hey, look what we did this week. This week, we're going to make it a little bit better. Particularly, I think if you're successful in other areas in your life, that metric or a way to measure success, you've had to use that in short-term goals in your business or with your family. So I think a lot of times just giving them a metric for success that they can see themselves get better at. So it's not just a blind faith or trust in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other thing is just showing them ways that they can mix in the fitness without those other things then falling short. It doesn't have to be a trade. Well, I'll be healthy, but then my business is going to suffer or I'll be healthy, but then my family's never going to see me or I'll be healthy, but then I'll never get to eat the things I want to eat. I'll never be able to sleep past 430 in the morning. And I think it's like our job as fitness professionals and health professionals to show you that that doesn't have to be the way. So if I can show you the way to look at your life and piece in the fitness and figure out habits that will work for you, uh, I think that empowers people where fitness, this whole mantra of like fitness is a lifestyle. I actually really don't like that because for me, fitness is a lifestyle. I love training. I love doing this. I love being this, but for someone who isn't in love with it or isn't engulfed in it, I don't want you to think that your life revolves around fitness. No, what I want you to do is spend a little more time and thought process to make healthier decisions at the table. And I want you to move your body a little bit daily and I want you to probably train two, three times a week where you really get into intense training. But to me, that's that's not your life. You, you shouldn't say my lifestyle is bench press. No, your lifestyle should be you love the law because you're a lawyer. Or you love doing going to the park with your kids. To me, that's your lifestyle. Right. And fitness is just something we're piecing in there. And I think, you know, it's it's gone the opposite direction where it's like fitness has to take over when it really doesn't. Like You don't have to like kale more than you like cinnamon toast crunch. We just have to find some medium habits for you um, to kind of like find health without it taking over your life. So I think when you hand people those suggestions, they, right. they do that better. Yeah, I think it, I think it's very restrictive. I think that's what it comes down to is like right. I think people have made fitness very restrictive. You know, the uh, Jillian Michaels of the world who, you know, tell you don't do this, do that and, and don't eat this, eat this. And, and, right. and I think as a result people see that it's a, or, or they think that it's a all or none mindset. Basically it's either I'm all in on this or I'm all out on this. Right. Yeah. It's zero or 100 when they probably need to sit right around that 65, 70 for success. And that's totally true. And it, it becomes over. It's, it's super overwhelming. Oh, I got to lose weight. So I got to do it in 12 weeks. I got to wake up. I got to run three miles, even though I hate running. I got to give up every piece of bread that I've ever looked at. I'm like, no, like that's, that's craziness. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so you put it, you put it exactly right. You put it exactly right. What do you think of some of these diets out there that are all or none? Uh, it's, it's just a matter of like, how long, like how long are you going to do that for? Like if mm-hmm. you, if you're, if you're going to go into keto, how long are you, are you never going to touch a carb essentially? Like, right. Do you just say goodnight to donuts for the rest? I mean, of I love pizza, life? man. I can't, I right? can't exactly. Pizza. Right. And, and, and I think what happens too is people now want to stick to these labels so much that the label means more than like the common sense. Right. So if you're keto, um, but your kid wants to go out every Friday night and you guys have that pizza night. And now my clients, when we're first starting to like, do I have to give that up? I'm like, hell no, you shouldn't give that up. 
that's important. That's a great thing, right? I was like literally had a dad and he has shared custody. And what they do is they go out and they do the bar stool, you know, bar stool president day. They go out and they do their own pizza review. One bite, everybody knows the rules. Yeah, exactly. And so now he came to me and he's like, yeah, with this one thing I've really been laboring over because I'm trying to do that. I'm like, no, why would you ever give that up? That's craziness to give that up. That's so much more important. But um, no, hell, look at look at El Prez. He, he eats pizza every day for lunch and a guy's somehow managed right, to lose a whole bunch right. of weight. So, you know, yeah. it can be done. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, you know, these I think people get obsessed with that label now where it's like, OK, like if low carb works for you, sure, go low carb. But you don't have to go all the way to keto where you're eating 80 percent fat. And same thing happens, I think, when people go like vegan or vegetarian, like if you don't want to, whatever it be, if you think that that's healthier or if you're trying for like social reasons, not, you know, to be more polite to animals and do those things. I totally get that. But sometimes like people are reading down to this meticulousness of the Venus, like it's not going to hurt you if one time there's just one animal product that they use as binding for this one food where you can still mainly do these things. But if they drop that label and they have one thing that wasn't vegan, now no longer can they project that they're vegan. And that's right. what everyone has been throwing at them. Like, you well, when you're vegan, vegan, you gotta, you gotta be, be able to, you gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. Right. And so I'm like, look, like you could, like, if you want to save the animals, do it. But like, if to have some normalcy and some fun, like when you go to the beach and you want some seafood, like it's okay for you to do that. And you don't have to pull the label of vegan off your body or something. So I think these things just become, again, it's kind of that all or nothing mindset where probably even if some of those concepts works, like it's just like doing it most of the time and not feeling like you have to fit this label or fit this lifestyle. So I, I think a lot of those diets, it's the first question, if you're someone out there listening to this um, or when my clients bring up stuff like that, I always ask them for how long. And if the answer is something finite, if it's 12 weeks, 16 weeks, I can do it four weeks. It's not something, then what's the point of even doing it? Because it's just a, it, it'd be kind of like, okay, I'm going to make a million dollars for four weeks, but at week five, I have zero dollars again. Cool. Yeah. Like it, it was great during that four weeks, you know? The wild the moment, Sounds like Dogecoin. Like, so how long? Right, exactly. So I think it's it's kind of like, a, that's a, a good question to ask yourself when you're going into these kind of fad diets, like for how long can you do it? And if it can't be like super long term or forever, then it's not something really worth worth pursuing because it's just going to be like a, again, you'll be a millionaire for a week. And, and that's then, that's the thing with fitness is 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 it sustainable? And that, that comes down to the diet and it comes down to exercise. Are you gonna do CrossFit five days a week for for the rest of your life? Are you gonna be able to run for the rest of your life? What, you know, like are these things yeah. that you wanna you know continue to do a year from now, five years from now? Because yeah if it's not sustainable, it doesn't fit your lifestyle or, you know, it's not, you know, your body just can't keep up with it. Like, is this something that you're going to be able to do down the road? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect way. I, I think enjoyability is a factor that gets so overlooked in fitness. It's almost the opposite. People do what they hate almost to punish themselves because they're not where they want to be. Where instead it should be like, take the path of least resistance. Like if you, if you like to bird watch, what are you doing in the gym? Go hike mountains and bird watch. Cool, dude. Like that doesn't sound the most macho thing, sexy way to get fit. But that, if that's what you like to do, then you got to go for it. I think people, especially with running, fall into this trap. Like I got to lose weight. I hate running, but I'm going to go run. I'm like, huh? Uh huh? Yeah. yeah. Why? Sense. Yeah. And, and, and I think like, you know, you see like, I mean, now I feel like there's more options than ever for like 
working out. Like, I mean, there's, you know, those, those trampoline classes you see, I mean, there's all sorts of bizarre like ways to work out now. And it's like, find something that works for you. Find something you actually like, because at the end of the day, like, I, I feel like there are people out there that are like very, like look down their nose. Like if you're not doing powerlifting, you're, you know, you're not doing it right. Or if you're not doing CrossFit, you're not doing it right. And it's like, end of the day, like all fitness is good fitness, you know, as long as it's, you know, properly dosed and, and, you know, everyone's, you know, good form, things like that. All all fitness is good fitness. So if people are taking the time to, to work out in any sense, whether it's yoga, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's hit, whether it's personal training, whether it's whatever, it's something and it's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hundred percent the truth. And I hate that where any kind of health professional tells me they have to do one thing. Like if I'm not doing this, I just, I can't say it. Like they should just be comfortable that they, they should be the leader in powerlifting. That doesn't mean that everybody has power lift. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see that, but I, I think the way you put it is great. It's like all fitness is good fitness. As long as you're being safe, um, then you're fine. Right. I, I don't see why not. I mean, I don't recommend jumping off buildings like parkour style, but as long as you're being safe, <laughs> yeah, parkour. Um, I think as long as you're being safe, I, I do agree that all fitness is good fitness. And I think, you know, everyone thinks reps, sets, uh, how often frequency, right? All these things were really to me like enjoyability and effort are probably the two things that are going to affect you um, and your success with health and fitness more than anything else. And effort and enjoyability, they're hand in hand. If you don't enjoy it, how often you're going to convince yourself to show up and then show up in full capacity. Um, so those are the two things that I think more than anything, you really got to ask yourself, is it something that you can enjoy over a long period of time? And there is something for you. And someone, there's going to be a naysayer listening and be like, well, I just don't like working out. There's, there's something that's physical that you enjoy. Um, saying like, I want to get in shape, but I don't like running is kind of like being like, I want to eat healthy, but I don't like broccoli. I was like, okay, don't eat broccoli. There's a million other vegetables. There's a million other fruits. There's a million other ways to eat. Yeah. It really feels like the equivalent when, when someone says like that. So I, I think enjoyability, um, someone is listening to this, thinking of how to get themselves into it. Start with moving your body in any way that you find enjoyable. Walking the dog. Walking is so underrated, in my opinion. Yeah. Just go walk. Find something, a cool place. People watch, do whatever and walk. Um, and I think that that'll make a huge difference. For that's, a lot of people. that's what my mom does. My mom, I've, I've been trying to get my mom to lift weights for years, but she, you know, she likes to walk. So, Hey, she goes out and I'm sure she's probably not, yeah. uh, she's probably not listening to this, but, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, 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 you know, she goes out and she walks five miles a day and I'm like, you know what? End of the day, fantastic. You gotta love it. You gotta, you gotta love, love it. it. Exactly. You know, yeah. cause you know, for years so she didn't do that. And now she goes and she walks. She's like, I got to get my steps in. I got to go, you know, walk up uh, five miles, whatever it is she does. That's great. I'm pumped for her, okay. you know? So okay. I, yeah. Would I personally like her to lift weights? Yeah. But sure. better than doing nothing. So yeah. I'll take it. Exactly. And then even then the answer would be both. It's not like you don't take the walking away. That's right. You don't take it away. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's like, walking. Hey, let's maybe, maybe do 10 squats at mile two. Right. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> now exactly. you're weight training and then you figure out, that, Hey, I actually kind of like that today. I did 20 squats and, and there's the answer. So there you go, mom, if you're listening, that's how you, <laughs> that's how you do it, mom. Try it out. Uh, now what part, now, you know, it's funny. We, uh, I thought we, we drifted right towards like the nutrition side of things. What part, you know, when you're working with people, how much do you think is 
diet related versus fitness related, you know, in terms of like how much time do you spend with clients with, with like those two aspects? So, I mean, obviously it's like in the hour that we're spending together when I'm seeing them a couple of times a week, it's, it's all fitness related, right? So we, we spend the rest periods and stuff like that, making sure that the food and everything is on top. Um, now what it, even though, and I don't want to downplay the importance of nutrition, especially because a lot of my clients that I work with weight loss is certainly a goal of theirs. Um, I kind of give them this like really big initial setup, tell them exactly what I expect. And then usually we have like one conversation in the beginning. That's all about like, okay, like nothing is going to happen. You can come here and we can work our ass off. I know I can cover that no matter what, you're never going to come see me. We're not going to work. Like, I know that's going to happen, but the food it's, it's you and yourself in the mirror. You're alone. Even I'll never know. I'll never know what you're eating. In fact, no one could ever know. A lot of people, you know, got the candy, the candy bar under their bed or in their nightstand table, right? Um, Or they're doing doing fast food and they're making sure they throw out that bag before they get home and no one ever knows. Um, So even though it's so important, I don't think we spend as much time as nutrition as a lot of people expect, but I'm also, that's just my style as a trainer to pick, look like this is the blueprint, but I need you to follow it. And if you don't, what's going to happen is over time, you're going to get super strong because no matter what, I can guarantee you strong. If we're lifting two, three times a week together, strong is undeniable. But if the physique goals are there, that's on you to eat those things. Some trainers get more involved, but I'm not the type of trainer just personally where I'm going to be texting you in the morning. Hey, what you have for breakfast? Hey, remember to eat healthy today? No. Um, and again, I, I think some that speaks to my clients because again, it's usually that kind of like successful person everywhere else mm-hmm. where I'm look, you need to treat this like you would treat your business, right? A spreadsheet's not going to come back, uh, expense report or something's not going to come back for your business and you're just going to kind of be like, oh, and ignore it. No, you're going to dissect that thing and treat it like such, right? And the same thing should happen with nutrition. So I give them a lot of options. I give them a kind of drop down menus with what I want them to eat. They can mix and match entirely through the spreadsheet that I share with people. Um, but then it's, it's kind of like a pat on the button. Like I, you know, it's expected of you. I expect you to do this because I'm not going to hound you down. And even if I did, I, I technically, I wouldn't know. Like that's, that's you to do for you. And I'm going to make sure that you get stronger while we're together. There you go. I like yeah. it. Now, what made you want to get involved with Mighty Meals? It tasted great. <laughs> that's the, that's the short answer of it. Um, so I, I know you had Dan on here also, Dan and I just really clicked. Yeah. Um, so it kind of went like this. Um, I was, when I was first kind of opening trophy body, one of the first like events I did, we called uh, crunch, crunch and brunch. And so basically what we did, it was like, we had a workout and then you stayed out there and there was like a healthy brunch. Right. So we had like egg whites and oatmeal and fruit and stuff like that. It was just supposed to be like kind of a full package day. Um, and I had done two and they, they were really good. And I worked with like some local meal prep guys that I had found. But up to that point, um, they had wanted, like, I'm sitting there and these are all my clients coming. And I'm like, hey, I want you to come show up. My clients are going to ask me for a meal plan. I'm going to write a meal plan with your company's meal prep. Like literally hand you these things, right? And these are my clients. So they're listening to me. Um, and... 
they kept like these different companies want to come out and they kept like asking me, like charging me for catering basically. And that's fine. But I was kind of like in my head, I'm like, it like, I felt like they were looking six inches in front of themselves. Right. Instead of figuring out like, wow, this is an opportunity where I can turn, you know, I've got 150 people in front of me on a Saturday with a trainer that is literally telling them they come to the trainer, ask them what to eat. And he says, eat this company. Right. Yeah. And um, Mighty Meals came in and I was working at a, at Body Mass Gym there in Arlington. Yep. And, um, and Mighty Meals came in like, you know, to do their normal pitch, like get the fridge in there. And, and so I met Dan and he was talking about like events like that with me and stuff. And he was like, yeah, of course. Like that totally makes sense. Like why wouldn't we just bring, out that food and he even wanted to give out like gift cards and stuff so it was like the total opposite and so i felt like their vision was longer right it's right, like right. they saw the potential in the room versus i need to make 200 this saturday or i'm not showing up and so that really spoke to me um and i think dan and i like we went out to lunch out that day we actually started a business together called fit nation uh, which okay. is like doing events like crunch and brunch uh which we eventually decided took too much time uh, off our hands. And we were killing it, honestly, but we just, it took too much time. Um, and so that kind of, that's where it went. I started doing social media for uh, Mighty Meals. After a while, I loved their food, which was the most important because I could actually eat it. I've eaten some things from like, no offense, like territory and other stuff. And like, I just, I did not enjoy it yeah. at all. Um, and I also didn't feel like it was that healthy. Uh, I was like, okay, I can just go to the frozen fruit aisle if, if I just need convenience. Uh, so that's kind of where that started. And um, I was doing social media with them. I was doing lots of posts and just trying to help them out. And they kind of offered that whole normal like affiliate, like, oh, let's let's make you a discount code for your followers and that kind of thing. And uh, figure out how to like maybe get some commission from that. And I told Dan, I was like, look, like we, we click on a business level. I was like, look, I don't want any affiliate code. I don't want any money from this. I will promote this just because I believe in it and it will help my clients. But when the day comes, when you guys are ready to grow or need capital infusion or something like that, like I want you to come to me and I want to like, I want to be part of this company, not like some Instagram profile that gives his followers 20% off. So it was like a, probably like a year later, they came to me and were like, here's the time, like, here's your wow. time. If you want to buy and get in and, uh, and I did, and it's just been a, a fun ride ever since. Nice. That's all. That's all. Cause I've had, I had Dan on Dan's a, a friend of the show and uh, yeah, I, I had mighty meals for the first time after. And I feel like this is like an advertisement now, but I, I fucking loved it. It was great. I get it. I get it right. now. Like, you know, most weeks, you know, as long as I'm here in DC, like, yeah, I get it delivered now. It comes right to the apartment. It's great. Yeah. I had the, uh, what did I have today? The, Oh God, the, um, the the asian uh burger the, the bulgogi burger yeah yeah the korean uh, bulgogi burger i think korean bulgogi, bulgogi burger yeah it was great loved it yeah it's fantastic yeah so um yeah and i feel like it's just a natural connection for you with the training you know it, where it's like you know you said you focus on getting people strong as hell and then boom you know, this is what you need to do for diet. And then there's a meal delivery company. Yeah, that like, just here you go, right here's there. your answer. And that was another reason I went with them too, is I had some other meal prep companies I was working with. And then my clients were hitting me up like two or three days later. They're like, hey, like, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to meet this guy to get my meals. 
or I'm like here and I'm not sure if it's a thing. And so it was like, it became, I was like, damn, at this point, if I'm managing customer satisfaction, like I should open up my own meal prep company where the thing with Mighty Meals, it was literally like, I was like, go to this website and order. And I knew the food was going to come on time to do this. I was like, all right, cool. Like I didn't want more of a hassle. The point was to make it less of a hassle. Right. Um, yeah. But like the way you said it, I mean, my first answer to that question, why'd you go to Mighty Meals? It's delicious. I liked it. There you go. Yeah. Otherwise, I have no point of, of trying to profit or something. I can't do something that I don't like. And if I send my clients to it and they don't like it, that just cheapens me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know? it's, that's one of the things I see like on Instagram where people will like send me like, oh, try my posture corrector or our latest massage gun. And I'm just like, I don't believe in this shit. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to support your, your posture brace or your massage gun or, or what other, what other yep. crap, you know, you're, you're trying to sell me. So I'm just like, no. Cause yeah. Cause then it cheapens me. Like, even though you're going to pay me yeah. whatever, however much money I'm like, this isn't, you know, worth it. Right. Well, people, people come to you ultimately for like your judgment, right? Like for your guidance. And if you cheapen that. What's it worth? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So then, and then you, you got involved with sweat DC. Yeah. So Sweat DC was already around for a few years. Yeah. And then you jumped on board. Yeah. Um, so again, it, all these, it's crazy because all these things are just happen so organically. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll give you the long story here. So I just, I'm going to be a little long winded. Please. Um, I used to work for this like company online and they did like all the like online programming and I did all their content. Long story short, we were hosting like a big meetup for all our followers at Echo Stage. So we had a uh, like a, a nice. workout fest, whatever you want to call it, workout vendors, et cetera, at Echo Stage. And I was going around DC and I was trying to find vendors uh, for that for that thing. And like we're kind of pretty much just cold knocking on doors. I went down to Composition ID uh, down there in like Shaw, yep. and they're like, "Hey, you got to go over to Sweat DC." whatever so it was actually my last stop of the day um and i was like i was really pissed like because it was just all nose all day because we were asking like a thousand dollars to be a vendor That's, in <laughs> right. my opinion it didn't make any sense but oh, hi yeah um and i was i'm too honest to be like yeah yeah i'm like yeah no you're right <laughs> you shouldn't do this uh but they were like hey go down to sweat dc um you should do this and so I went and it was like raining. I couldn't find parking, but like something in me was like, no, nah, just like you're already out here, just do it. So I go knock on Sweat DC's door and uh, my partner now, Coach G, has a 75 pound pit bull. I love dogs, but this dog comes up and because no one's there, you know, it's like between glasses and he's just like barking up a storm. I'm at the door. It's I'm illegally parked. It's raining. And I'm like, all right, these are all the signs for me to go or it's all the signs for me to person like stay, you know? Right. Um, so I went in. I that's how I met Coach G. He kind of like opened the door, like did one of those little peek arounds. Like, who the hell is this person knocking on the door? Um, and we talked for like an hour. The answer was still no. He didn't want to have a table uh, at space. But that's where the relationship started. And what he used to do at Sweat DC is they would hold um, like fitness professional only workouts. And basically the rule was either you were a fitness entrepreneur or you wanted to be one. And so we would start and we would just like work out and it was just supposed to be networking with, with trainers in DC. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Super cool. So he invited me to come out to that. And so I started coming out to those, uh, probably like a month or two later, I started like running the programming for him doing that. 
So we like did just little things like we would circle up and it was like, what's the worst thing? What's, what are you worst at in your business? And someone else in the room would be like, Hey, I have a guy for that. Or, Hey, I'm really good at that. And we would just make connection like that. We would work out. I would write the workout and we go from there. So G and I's like kind of relationship uh, grew from there. Um, we started running uh, boot camps or he invited me to run a boot camp with him for Fitbit local when that was still a thing. Uh, then we started doing work for the mayor's office. And then eventually we did a big event for major league baseball together. And just over time, we grew a relationship. He always tried to get me to come over to sweat DC and work. And I was like, nah, man, like I'm, I'm good. I'm doing my own thing. Um, but anyways, so if you fast forward a couple of years from there and a lot of the time that we worked together, um, the way sweat DC was before was he had about like, 1500 square feet was the actual workout space and he will put about like 36 people in there so i mean if you can imagine that it's like there's party fitness which is awesome like it's all about how you feel but it was like 36 people packed like this right so covid comes around and with his square footage he was allowed six people in the building oh geez okay and that includes your staff right so it's mm-hmm. one staff member and, and five people and the thing when it comes to that is the person who wants to do five on one personal training and pay close to a hundred dollars a session versus someone who's doing a 36 person cardio hit intensive class where you're paying seven, eight bucks a person yeah. is a totally different market product. It's almost like starting at zero because the transfer from person A to person B is, is almost not there. Um, now my back has always been, five to 10 people, small group, lots of barbell work, all strength, no hit, never done assigned a burpee or a mountain climber in my life, in my session. It's just not my style. I, um, I like it. Yeah. That's just not my thing. Uh, so coach, she called me up and uh, we had a meeting and he was like, look, like, I know this is what you're doing. It's good weather. I'm going to try and keep my hit classes and move them somewhere outside. He's like, but I don't know, you know, you would be the best person who can make a five person format work. So um, that's kind of how it was born. We struck a deal and I went into that studio and basically I felt so bad. I thought he was going to like start crying because we kind of took out a lot of the, like the cultural things that have been built in there. So like they had like black lights everywhere and graffiti all over the walls. All the walls were painted black. The uh, dumbbells were spray painted neon. I was like, if we're going to do like a high ticket strength training here, like it needs to be almost like sterile and boring. Not to be, maybe that's too far, but I was like, okay, like the spray paint's got to go. We got to have bright lights because we're using barbells. I can't be in the dark. I like all this stuff. So we kind of repainted the whole space, just put up one big logo instead of a graffiti logo. Um, And we started doing that five in one training so we could be COVID proof. So I wrote all the programming for that, figured out how the coaching stuff would work. And then we mixed in some of those things that Coach G was better at, like the cultural stuff, the playlists, the flash, right? And all that fun kind of stuff. Right. And it was kind of just a perfect marriage. Um, from there, we opened up a second larger location so we could have more people uh, yeah. than five. Uh, literally across the street, we struck a COVID deal. And, and that's really, I mean, that's how I became a partner with G at, at Sweat DC. It was, it was just kind of like a need to fill that. Um, that product ended up hitting off. And then we yeah. turned it into two trainers and 10 people. Uh, and now we're moving it to three trainers and 20 people starting actually like next week. 
Um, so that's you awesome. can still have like the small attention, but be able to have your own weight rack. And uh, that's kind of kind of where it grew. So that's how I got into Sweat DC. It was a lot of no's at first for me. And then <laughs> when it became something, because I didn't, you know, again, the hit stuff was just not my style. Um, and then when it came like an opportunity, we just kind of ran with it. He ran the hit outside at like a, an outdoor a bar with a big outdoor area. Yeah. And he would do the hit classes out there called Hook Hall. I don't know if you're familiar. And then we would use the studio for five on one, like semi-private training. And the new Sweat DC was kind of born and that's where we are now. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I love the small group training approach. I I think it probably doesn't get enough attention because I think it's one way that as a business, you can make money, especially during COVID. Um, But two, I think it's like, you're able to give people that like special attention that they need that like in those larger classes, you know, you're, you're moving a million miles an hour, whether it's, whether you're doing burpees or squats or lunges or whatever. And that maybe you just, you need a little bit of form correction. Maybe you need a weight adjustment, whatever it might be. But when it's, you know, 30 people in a class, you don't get that attention and and who knows, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think when you go to those classes, a lot of times you're only paying for accountability. It's only so it's on your schedule, it's on your calendar and you show up, which is a huge part of training. I don't, of course it is, but I want you to pay for accountability and coaching and guidance and oversight. It, it frustrates me that there's a lot of fitness that you kind of alluded to. I can go in there and not be corrected one time. Like not, so I'm like, what, what I should just go to me in my head. And I, I'm kind of cynical. I'm like, well, why didn't I just go on YouTube? Cause on YouTube, I could have got the playlist, the vibe and all that stuff. Yeah. And if you're not correcting me anyways, or interacting with me, I could have just done this for free and follow along. Oh yeah. That's how I've kind of felt. And I, I just, to me, that's, it's not, to me, it's not worth it to the consumer if you're not actually helping them or giving them attention. So the small group, I think gives you the best of both worlds where maybe you're not like just bored and not doing anything, yeah, but sure. you know, like one-on-one, but the small group gives you a little bit of that camaraderie. You can have a fun playlist. You can bounce your energy off other people. And ultimately like with small group, you're more likely to show up because you're also showing up for Jane who lifts next to you or Ted who lifts to your left. And so I think that I think small group and that kind of semi-private attention, I, I think is the, is the future of fitness. Um, Cause I think the kind of like hit uh, style stuff is, is slowly starting to make it way out. And I think strong is starting to take over. Yep. And I think strong really is requires just more attention to detail and a little bit of slowing down a little bit of rest periods. People got so scared of like rest during workouts i'm like dude like rest i have so many so many patients who like will do a set of deadlift and they're like all right what's next i'm like rest you should have set a deadlift yeah rest and if you don't need rest well then maybe we should lift more weight then correct right yeah exactly if you want to go right back to your next set of deadlift we need to add a we need to add another weight to that bar yeah i thought i thought it was because i went to i've been to class there with with demi shout out to jim demi yeager a friend of the show as as well and yeah i mean i thought it was great because i've never been in a class before where i used a barbell you know and and you you don't get that anywhere i was like this is great and i was in there and there was a a running coach that i know she she was next to me and then there were two uh washington football team cheerleaders next to me and it was like it was this was a a, just a cool a cool vibe where i was getting strong there was no burpees and you know, people I knew, people I could get along with were there. And it was it was awesome. Yeah, I, I think that um, like the unique thing that we did is like there's just nowhere in boutique fitness that has a barbell. And but that requires 
attention. And also it, the barrier, I mean, it kind of makes it harder for us as business because I think the barrier to entry for the consumer is, is higher because when I walk into Orange here and see a treadmill, yeah, maybe I'm not the best runner or something, but I know I can manage that treadmill. If I walk in and I'm a beginner in fitness and all I see is, oh, hey, here's your squat rack, step on up. That's super intimidating, but I also think it's the most effective. So right. if we can be that next major chain that um, uses barbells, that's really where we want to be. And I, I also think because it's the most intimidating equipment to use, it's the most empowering. I want people who come to Sweat DC to learn something and learn how to lift a dumbbell or barbell. Because if you can do that, you can go to any gym, anywhere, anytime and feel like you belong there and like feel like you're at home and feel like you know what you're doing. Right. hundred percent. And I think that's, you know, I see it all the time with like runners that I work with here. It's like running is easy. You throw on a pair of sneakers, you walk out your front door and you go for a run. It's great. But yep. you know, people don't lift cause you got to go to a gym. You got to pick up dumbbells, kettlebells, barbells. And I think, you know, barbells, you know, can, you know, they're, they're big, they're, they're wieldy. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, heavy. And, and I think people definitely get intimidated by them and, and don't know how to use them. So they just avoid them. And I think, but once you, you're right, like once you learn how to use it, it's great. It's, it's, it's magical. I mean, I think there's, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with someone who has used, you know, a trap bar or a barbell for the first time. And they're like, Oh, this isn't so bad. This is fun. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, exactly. And guess what? It's going to make you a better runner too. And, and right then all of a sudden people start to like, it, they see the wheels start turning in people's heads. They're like, Oh, Oh, this is how I do this. Okay. It's not so bad. And bam. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. And you can always like down slot it, right? Like if you can do the squat with the barbell, I know that you'll be able to do it with the goblet squat or whatever it is. Like, so I, I, I want to take you to that top tier. And then once you can do that, once you can deadlift with the barbell, you're going to be able to pick it up with anything else, whether you're doing the less Mills classic gold's gym or whatever you're doing or working out by yourself or you're in your garage. I feel like if you can use that piece of equipment, you can use anything. And I think that's, again, I, I think empowering is, is the word there. We've never seen it touched it. And we're just going to be very matter of fact when it comes to it to see like, okay, that's cool. You never touch it. No worries. So, just so you know, the barbell is going to be 45 pounds, so it's going to be heavy right off the bat. And this is how we're going to get you situated with it. You just make it very matter of fact. You're going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I like, you know, you guys it. use like the landmine. So obviously like the landmine, I think, is like a great way to introduce people to the barbell in, in the first place because it, it takes some load off it and, and just makes yeah. it a little more just easy to, to manage. So, I mean, it's just another reducing the barrier to entry just that much mm -hmm. more. Right. Yeah. I, I think the landmine is is like the most underrated piece of equipment. Oh, it's my favorite. It's my favorite like, yeah. tool in the gym to use for people, 100%. And like small and affordable. It's like 20 bucks, 30 about, bucks, like, whatever it is. Yeah. one that goes under like, that you can put under like the leg of a furniture under a squat rack, it's like 30 bucks. Yeah. And you could like, if you have a garage, you have a whole gym if you have a landmine and a barbell and you just lean the barbell up in the corner and That's you it. have a whole gym. Yeah. So I, I, I love the landmine. That's my thing. Um, all right. So we are uh, running out of time here. And so I want to ask you a few more personal questions. Yeah, let's do it. What's, uh, what are you reading these days? What am I reading? Um, it's a book called uh, Fooled by Randomness. Okay. Um, that uh, one of my mentors sent to me. And basically it's like, it's like 
kind of exploring your work ethic and your opportunities and understanding that randomness and like luck and opportunity do kind of like play a large role, but it's like kind of telling you to continue rolling the dice and putting your best foot forward because you never know which kind of like opportunity will strike and also teaches you not to kind of like when an opportunity does go well, that you need to continue being diligent and not just like pat yourself on the back because you've been fooled by randomness, I guess. Ah. Um, so that's kind of like the concept of it, which is a little more contrarian than like normally people read for like self-help, but I, I think it's a, it's a cool perspective. Yeah. Um, and so I just started it, but I know that that's the concept of it. Like it. I like it. What do you, uh, what do you watch on TV these days? Oh, I just finished. I was literally right before this watching my 600 pound life. I, I I love that show. I don't know why. I guess that, that should probably should be a guilty pleasure. But um, but no, that's I that that. it. Just highlights like the psychological effect. Uh, I think so much of like diet. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. My wife and I are like really into like true crime documentaries. Oh so yeah, we, we just started watching Broadchurch, which I think has been out for a little bit. Okay, cool. On, I on Netflix. Watched- um, sorry, let me to cut you off. I just oh, watched uh, like the the Nexium uh, scandal. It was like a sex cult scandal. Oh yeah, I watched that on the plane ride home from uh, Vegas, and that was that was pretty interesting. Okay, all right. Yeah. What's um who's who's one person in the DC health and fitness world that you think other people should know about? Oof, uh, I, I'm gonna have to say a couple here. Okay. Um, I would definitely have to say, I mean, Coach G, I know that's, maybe that sounds self-serving, but uh, Coach G, my partner is is just, I think one of the best human beings in fitness. And I think he does the best job of uh, making sure you're thinking about how you're feeling and what you're doing in your everyday life and relating that to fitness. He's also just like an onion of many layers. Like he is... um, used to be a professional basketball player, which a lot of what? people don't know. Okay. Um, he will outlift you, outwork you, but also be the most sentimental person. He's on every board in the city. I, I think that's a great person to follow. Um, I think my friend, William Cole, uh, he goes by Jim Jones, G-Y-M Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's killing it for the community, doing a really good job getting, like he's working on a bid to get uh, some grocery stores put up in what they call like food desert. So I think Jim Jones is, is, is a great follow, especially locally in D.C. Like, I think he does more for the city from a health and health wellness uh, aspect than I think than anyone I can think of. Wow. OK, nice. I love it. What's uh, what's your one spot that here in D.C. that you think anyone who's not from D.C. needs to go check out? Oh, man. And, and it can't be can't be sweat. Yeah, 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 of course. And it can't uh, be like the mall okay, or any corny shit related. like that. I mean, I I love um, I love my neighborhood Navy Yard, I'm not gonna lie. I think it's 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 a really cool kind of on the water. You get the city urban feel, but also see that. And I think maybe this sounds boring, but I I think the museums here are really cool and that's something that uh, later in life, I really appreciate it because I used to have all the field trips growing up in, in Virginia to them and I hated them because we were so restricted. But I really think, like, um, to me, like, the museums, like the African-American museum that just opened up, the Holocaust Museum is somber, but it's really cool. I think that those are, like, way cooler than walking to, like, the monuments and stuff. Maybe oh, yeah. I've seen them a lot, but a if lot. you've never been to D.C., 
what happens when you go visit the monuments is you're going to spend all this time. You're going to walk up to the monument. You're going to look at it and be like, uh, yep. And then you're going to turn around and, and, and go back. Like Whenever I have guests now, I, I take them to the W Hotel POV, the rooftop there. Yeah. And I go, there's the White House. There's the Lincoln Memorial. There's the monument. There's the Jefferson. Great. Now let's have a drink. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's because otherwise you're going to spend all that time to go up there and pretty much do the same thing. You just kind of like stare at it. Yeah. You're like uh, the guy from King of the Hill. It's like, yep. Like that's, that's literally what I feel like. So I exactly. think that, I mean, I think Georgetown's a great place to visit. Uh, but I think the museums are, are really unique and really cool. I, I would say uh, spend some time there if you've never been to DC. There you go. All right. So I had been asking everyone what their favorite burger is in DC, but I'm going to switch it up here. What's your favorite pizza in DC? Ooh. Staying on the health ter- on the health kick here. Pizza. Uh, I think, well, I'm going to go with frequency here. The pizza that I eat most is Andy's pizza. Andy's. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's one in Shaw. Yep. And then they do a pop-up here in Navy Yard at the Atlas Brew Works. Yes. Um, really like Andy's pizza. Um, I think wise guys pizzas is pretty solid. Um, and then if you're into like Neapolitan pizza, the um, uh, all-purpose pizza, they have one in Shaw as well. I think that's good, but it's like $20 for a small pizza. But I like you like playing good. all the uh, the Navy Yard favorites here with wise guys, Andy's. Yeah. I mean, well, they're kind of, they're in multiple places, but I really like, um, I like Andy's is what I think what I've been eating the most. Andy's is, Andy's is good. I'm a, I'm a big fan. We had, it, we had that Tuesday night for dinner actually. Delicious. And, uh, it was good. It was good. Another one I love, Slice at the Roost. Okay. That's another Okay, I know one. the Roost. Yeah. The Roost okay. is I'll the Roost is my favorite out. place in DC. Because the roost is so cool. there's so much great food there. And yeah. like just different varieties of like tacos, pizza, sushi, uh other, you know, Asian food. There's there, I mean, there's like coffee shop there, there's ice cream. I mean, everything's there. Yeah, the roost is cool. I've only been once. I gotta go back. There you go. So, uh, Chase, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Uh, best thing to do is just, I I think social media is always the best. That's where you're going to find all information from whatever direction. Uh, so just at trophy body PT, uh, Instagram is probably the best, but the same handle trophy body there um, on Facebook. Uh, but that's the best Or Honestly, I mean, I don't even, you can email me at chase at sweatdc.com i'm open book so if you have any questions or anything like that you can contact me directly like that or on instagram if you are like to creep a little bit and find out a little more who i am and then reach out uh that's fine too but i think that's the easiest way to kind of see what it's all about see my kind of like thoughts on training and lifestyle and nutrition and decide if it's uh, to your taste or not bam and then go to sweat dc up in parkview yes Bam. Yes, and hopefully a new location soon. You heard it here first. Oh, mm-hmm. do we do we want to give it away where this new location might be? Uh, somewhere in Northwest again. Oh. And then we're looking Arlington as well. So um, not Navy Yard. No, not Navy Yard. <sighs> I would love for it to be Navy Yard, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> Fair enough. Exciting yeah. news nonetheless. Chase, thanks for coming on again, man. And uh, we'll definitely be talking soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, 
Head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.